This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. This week, childbirth can be one of life's greatest joys, but what happens when things go wrong is a growing concern for many people of color. The past five years is the first time that I've heard from a black pregnant person say they were scared to die. So what more can be done? Today, we have a real talk about what's causing the rise in maternal deaths among some Colorado groups and the resources available for you. Welcome to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Haffel. And I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. Each week in a partnership between Denver 7 and CPR, we'll have a real talk about issues impacting underrepresented people across Colorado. This week, we're having a real talk about the maternal health challenges facing women of color. Studies show notable discrepancies in how women of color are treated during pregnancies and labor compared to white women. But with rising mortality rates come more resources for Black and Latino women. I met with a group of doulas who are providing life-saving care for expectant mothers. In 2023, Colorado's maternal death rate is rising and Black mothers are most at risk. I've been doing midwifery work for almost 20 years and I think the past five years is the first time that I've heard from a black pregnant person say they were scared to die. The latest statistics show black mothers are three times more likely to die during birth. And CU Anschutz, director of midwifery, Jessica Anderson says there are several contributing factors. We know that our systems are really, um, have racism that exists, implicit bias, um, care looks different in, um, to, in certain areas of our communities, meaning people don't have access. Anderson says some of her patients are taking matters into their own hands, turning to doulas, trained professionals who help with physical and emotional needs. My personal reason for getting a doula is to help navigate a very racist healthcare system. Just having a doula present greatly changes how um, a birth outcome would be, that positive birth experience. We visited Mama Bird, a maternity wellness spa in Aurora, where we talked to this group of doulas and new moms. My first pregnancy was during COVID when everybody was paranoid about everything in regards to going to the hospital. I had my doula in my first experience, so it was life-changing care. But there are still barriers to having the support of a doula. I think it's also partly affordability. Um, we don't live in a society that offers universal, free, quality health care. A lot of people don't know what a doula does. They look at it like a luxury as opposed to a necessity, and it's not. that's not what it is. As the co-deputy director, um, at Elephant Circle, we actually um, do a full wraparound, um, kind of like a full wraparound um, services from legal dueling to supporting birth workers. Mama Bird also offers help. On our nonprofit side, we um, have partnered with Colorado Access to provide at least 40 black families with um, full spectrum doula support. These women say for years, they thought they had very little say on how they could bring their children into this world. Ultimately, I think the part of our advocacy is teaching them how to advocate for themselves. With the help of their doulas, they feel empowered to make some of the most important decisions of their lives. And I want to give a shout out to the moms and doulas who were part of that roundtable discussion. Christina Yebwa, Leanna Jones, Celeste Rios, Iman Watts, and Jahala Walker. One of the people we just heard from is Vita Malama of Elephant Circle. We invited Vita on to have a deeper conversation about this topic. Vita, thanks so much for being here. 
Thank you for having us. So first, tell us a bit about what Elephant Circle does. Yes, that is a very good question. <laughs> we get that a lot, but basically Elephant Circle is a birth justice and reproductive justice organization that supports birth workers. Um, we do policy and advocacy work and uh, we provide support, um, direct support to people in the community who needs support from anything from parental rights to also um, actual birth support, um, advocacy in the area of reproductive rights. And um, we work with all sorts of organizations from um, correctional facilities to schools where there are teen parents and pregnant parents. And we also um, work on, on the Hill. So yeah. um, we do quite a bit of work throughout I, the state. I love that birth justice. I've not heard that before, but how important it is to name that and to say that. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Well, your name is inspired by elephants who give birth in a circle or within a circle of support that is. What does support look like for your organization? I know that you named a few just a moment ago, but let's go deeper. So um, our support is modeled by elephants in the wild. So what that really means is that whenever an organization, an individual, perhaps it's even policy work or community members are needing support, um, most recently, we are involved in building the ecosystem um, of birth centers throughout Colorado because there are also some challenges there. So what that really means is that instead of coming in and acting as consultants and telling um, organizations and individuals what to do, we basically provide support in the sense of um, what, what can we do to clear that pathway, to create that watering hole that's going to allow you to have the tools and the resources that you need for your community. And I think on the Elephant Circle website, it talks about the need to take down systems of power and oppression. What are some things we can do now to help the systemic problem, to bring people to that watering hole? Yes, so it's, I don't think that that's really an easy question to answer. Right. We only have um, five seconds, go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me do this short. Um, so really what it is, is about elevating community. Mm. So really what we really like is when community comes in and they say, hey, this is a problem. You know, they're really the, the rumbles that we hear in the community, the vibrations that we hear. That is kind of like what, how we tune into what's going on in our community. So when we, um, when we take on um, any type of engagement, any type of force to be reckoned with, it truly is something where we allow community to come in and do that work. We're not the ones who are truly advocating for, hey, this is an elephant circle thing. It's more of a community-centered and oriented um, idea and perspective. Yeah. We know there is a delay in a maternal mortality review being released by the federal government. How is that impacting your work? It is actually impacting our work quite a bit. Mm. So the last report that was released was in 2020. And that data was collected, if I remember correctly, between 2013 and 2016. So even then, there is a lapse in the time frame for when that report was released and what was happening at that particular time and climate within the state of Colorado. Now, most rec recently, with the delay of the report, uh, we are, it's also, you know, the concerns are that, well, how when is the data again being collected? How relevant is that already um, to what the changing climate is? So I'm gonna assume that we're probably collecting data somewhere between 2016 to about 
2019. Mm -hmm. So even then, there's been so much, that was pre-pandemic, for example. So it's like, well, we're certainly not in the same climate. The other piece is that it helps inform, you know, our legislative policy work in the area of um, them being able to make decisions um, based on data. Um, So even with that lapse, it's like, well, how timely is that? Do we need to regroup or pivot in a certain type of way that's going to allow us to be more effective? And then it just kind of erodes trust in community as well. It does not really provide um, transparency, timely transparency, um, and a way for community to actually um, support, get involved, answer. Um, questions or advocate because the, that information is being withheld at this time. And what do you want to say to state or federal officials that are that are holding this program, holding this study? What do you want to say to them? They need to release the report. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready. We've been waiting. You know, it's been over a week at this point, and uh, we don't really know how much longer that's really going to be for them to actually get that done. But the idea is that, you know, we as a community, we want to also be involved in the problem, in the solution to the problem. We don't just want to say, well, here's the report. When the report originally came out, there was certainly some anxiety within um, at least being representing as a black woman. Some of the concerns that were actually um, released um, in there about, you know, death and dying and. I would have to say by the time the report was released, I had had two children already in 2013 and 2016. And I don't think from my own personal experience, it was really about me having a fear of dying as much as the fact that I was not really listened to, the fact that I was not, um, there were things that were done in the procedures that weren't done fully to the effect that affected me now. Um, And the fact that, you know, it's like, Yes, could I die from those things? Absolutely, but it's really, there's plenty of time to rectify those, those um, situations. You're just stating for almost 10 months. That gives you plenty of time to address those issues. The issues that are happening in BIPOC communities are not necessarily substance use or drug misuse or depression as much as you like cardiomyopathy, um, preeclampsia. Mm. Those are the things that are really plaguing our um, our community, and there are things that could be timely intervened, could provide timely intervention so that we can address those, so that those are not the issues that we are struggling with. Yeah, you're speaking to some important issues there, Vita. Well, we have to wrap this up, but this has been an excellent conversation. Vita Malama from Elephant Circle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That was Vita Malama of Elephant Circle. The Denver nonprofit focuses on birth justice and equity. We have much more to get to for this Real Talk on Maternal Health. Since not all women are the same, there can be big changes when it comes to race. Next, we dig into what can be done to help alleviate some of those problems. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm CPR's Nathan Heffel. Today we're having a Real Talk about the maternal health concerns for women of color. Back in April, CU Boulder released a study looking at the impacts of obstetric racism in the U.S. Per the study, obstetric racism is the term coined to describe a concerning pattern of maltreatment of non-white pregnant women, including a disregard for their birthing wishes. There are a number of factors that contribute to this, one of them being the increase in medical induction of labor between 1990 and 2017, 
induced labor nearly tripled across the U.S. Yeah, researchers say early induction can lead to low birth weight babies and a number of different problems later in life. Here's the thing. Researchers say white women are being induced more because they're seeing an increase in higher-risk pregnancies. The same cannot be said for black and Latino women, yet decisions about their care are still being based on trends in the white community. For more context, we spoke with Jessica Anderson. She's the director of midwifery services for the University of Colorado Anschutz. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. You just heard about the CU study. You heard some of those mm -hmm. statistics. What inequities are you seeing when it comes to maternal health care for women of color? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's multifactorial, unfortunately, right, which makes it hard to tackle. But I think um, from um, systems to providers, there are um, care can look different, right, because of implicit bias, because of the racism, um, you know, access to care looks different or access to different or similar types of models can look different. Um, so I, I think it's multifactorial, which makes it hard, right, hard to tackle. And, and midwifery is seen mm -hmm. as a more traditional way of birth, and some people may even see mm -hmm. it as a luxury. Mm -hmm. How has that changed, though? How has that thought process changed? It's becoming more modernized, I think. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, we, we think we should be catching more babies in the United States, right? We're really experts in, um, in labor and birth, um, and our goal as a profession is to really provide access to all people um, to have access to a nurse midwife um, and the space that they want to give birth in. And so is it asking the right questions when someone who, who is using your services, mm -hmm. is it being the person in the room saying, hey, that doesn't, that doesn't seem quite right? Mm -hmm. Kind of go a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, having the discussion with people prenatally, right? Like, what are you expecting? What are you envisioning for your experience? Um, you know, what, what, what can we offer you? Because um, there are certain conditions that care needs to look different, right? Um, and so what are you envisioning? what are you wanting that discussion needs to happen prenatally not in the moment when we're giving birth got it yeah. how open are women of color communities mm -hmm. of color to these services yeah I think people are open but I think it's the access right I think we um, when you are in urban metro areas access looks different um, as you start to leave those urban areas and for us at the CU College of Nursing our, our goal and our mission is to serve Colorado communities and so we're really aiming to take nurse midwifery to those communities that lack access. How do we yeah, improve do do that, that access? Yeah, we need more midwives. We need more nurse midwives. And so our goal is to provide the opportunity for people um, to have access to nurse midwifery education and people of color to have access to nurse midwifery education, right? We need to diversify our workforce and that's one of our goals for our profession as well. Is it a long process to become a midwife? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, so um, it's a master's. So you need a master's uh, to be a nurse midwife. Um, and so it's a it's a challenge, right? It's a, it's a lengthy process. So four, six years, depending on the route of how people get there. Um, and um, it takes a lot of time and effort. And um, the one thing that we're really focused on in the state and in our program is really making it a, a virtual option, right? So people can be in their communities, especially if it's a rural community, and still accessing our program. Um, so they have to come to campus, right, to provide care because we need people. Um, but to take course, the coursework, we're really trying to make that virtual option um, more um, accessible. 
uh, someone who's not a parent, I hope to be one day, <laughs> uh, when I hear the words midwife, when I hear doula, mm -hmm. uh, some of it starts to blend together. Yeah. Can you differentiate for us those two terms? Yeah, so different roles, right? Different responsibilities. Um, and to me, the perfect setting is when we have a provider. So if it's a midwife, it's a physician and a doula and a nurse all joining on the same team in the hospital setting, right? Because we all have a different goal. We are all able to provide that support to the patient in a different way. And so um, while we are, as midwives, sometimes focusing on the medical um, piece of labor and birth, the doula can really support that emotional, that mental, that physical support, which um, we're not always the best at. We can do it, but um, really um, it's a complementary kind of a team approach that we need to happen. And we've talked about systemic racism. Mm -hmm. how, how do you start to dismantle it in this framework? Is it, it's it's yeah. a big question. Is it is it schooling? Is it hospitals? How does that work? And how do we begin to, to, to tackle that? It's all of it, yeah. right? Right. So I think it's from our education programs. It's to the systems we work in. It's to the individual doing their own work. It's to the policy and guideline. It's really taking a step back and saying we need to look at every inch of what we do to start dismantling that racism and start creating environments that are really welcoming for people of color to give birth. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us for this Real Talk. Jessica Anderson is the Director of Midwifery Services for the University of Colorado Anschutz. We know that these systems of oppression can really take a toll on women of color, but there are people out there ready to help you through the mental challenges. I sit down with a psychologist who is focusing on the intersection of maternal mental health and the experiences of women of color. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm CPR's Nathan Haffel. This week, we've been having a real talk on the maternal health for women of color. I sat down with a clinical psychologist and maternal wellness consultant to discuss how these women can take care of their mental health amid these struggles. Patrice, we've talked a lot about the maternal death rate for Black women, for, for moms of color. That has to have an impact on a mother's or a mom's-to-be's mental health. What are you seeing in your professional experience? Sure. I think that when we talk about the maternal morbidity and mortality crisis among Black women and birthers, usually we're talking about physical health conditions. And there's not always a mention of mental health and substance misuse as well. And what we know from the research and just sort of even from data here in Colorado is that um, women of color, including black women, are one in three is the is the prevalence of perinatal mental health. And then substance use, we just haven't studied it as much, so we don't know. Um, but we would assume that the same inequities that exist around physical health exist around substance misuse, and they certainly do around perinatal mental health. So this is a tremendous crisis for our community. And then in addition to having very high prevalence rates, right, so it's occurring even higher than it does in the general population. And this is the most common complication of pregnancy in the postpartum period is postpartum depression. So if it's occurring um, among women of color at a rate of one in three, then we have all of these women in our community that are needing resources and access to services. And we do know that we don't have the provider community and we don't have um, just sort of all the resources that we need to support women. Yeah, for those women who really want to be mothers they look forward to that process but they are seriously afraid they have a lot of anxiety maybe even some depression surrounding how they might be treated by the medical community what can they do 
Sure, sure. So I I know that it's become a big fad, I think, in the past few years to have Black women advocating in medical settings. And I sort of move away from that as a, as a strategy just because you're in no position to be an advocate for yourself when you're giving birth. So what I would say is to build up a strong network of support people around you and arm them with the resources and knowledge that they need to support you um, and to execute what you would like to happen in your birth. I would also say in Colorado, there's a lot of great organizations that are working on this issue. And so there's policy work happening. There's work happening at the hospital or systems level. Um, And certainly I am someone that would be loved to be a connector if folks are like, I'd like to engage after my birth to make it better for others going forward. So um, that's probably my number one recommendation to women is make sure that you have those support people around you. Um, and make sure that they know what your wishes are and they understand what you want for your birth. And then if something does occur during that process, reach out to those of us that work in this policy and hospital space and let us know what's going on so that we can also let the this, the higher ups and the systems that be know what's happening because the onus is really on them to make um, birth a safe and equitable place for black women. In this show, we talk about doulas midwifery. Uh, are you seeing maybe some of the your clients turn to doulas and midwives maybe to offset some of that uh, mental anguish that they're going through? Absolutely. So we know that for Black women in the Black community, doula care and mid- midwifery care is rooted in history. Um, these are the folks that delivered our ancestors' babies for generations. Um, and so when I talked about putting that support community together, a lot of times I'll recommend to folks um, to get a doula or a midwife if that's something that's of interest um, as a part of that care team. And I think it's just so important for women to know what their options are around birth, right? So a hospital birth is one option, um, but there certainly are other settings um, where safe, equitable birth is occurring. Um, and so I do think it's also on us and as the providers to let Black women know what their choices are. Another issue I found just even in my personal life, talking to my sister, my friends, people I'm close to, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about how you should give birth, who should be helping you give birth, where you should give birth. Any advice on trying to focus on what is best for you and your baby? Yes, absolutely. So I would say to explore all the options that are available to you. Um, So explore midwifery care if it's appropriate for you. Explore doula care, explore hospital-based care. And even if you get a physician provider that you're like, I'm not crazy about this doctor, you can have another doctor. So if you're getting care from a provider that you're just like, I'm not feeling this person, um, certainly you can jump to another provider. So I would say understand and be educated about what all your options are um, and then let the people that are important to you in your life help you carry those out. Patrice, how can our viewers and listeners uh, get a hold of you and, and learn more about this? Yes. So there's a couple ways. So um, I'm the program director for the Birth Squad Denver, a program of Colorado Postpartum Support International. So we do have a website and a web page where my information is available. And then I'm Patrice at thebirthsquad.org. Thank you so much, Patrice. Thank you. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Every week, we'll be having a real talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. You can find all of our shows on denver7.com slash realtalk or at cpr.org slash realtalk. Have a great day.